me set down this light bow gun. I'm Spencer. I'll be leading you through the week seven patch. This week, I'm joined by fellow hunter Jordan. Back and vaccinated. Hey. Oh. The luckiest person I've ever met, Zyger. Hi, everyone. I got a haircut, but you can't see it because this is audio only. And March's birthday queen, Kaylee. It is still March. It is still my birthday. All right. Well, let's look at the current tickets the news has brought us this week and start with the scrum. Sony is starting to feel like the company that can't stop hitting itself, if rumors are to be believed. Thanks to reporting from Kirk McLean at The Gamer, it looks like Sony could be closing the PS3 store, the PSP store, and the PS Vita store. They're saying Sony will make the announcement at the end of the month. PSP Go owners, buy your games now before you can no longer get new games for your system. I can't believe they find new ways to kill the Vita, like, every 20 minutes. It hurts me so bad. The thing that's wild about it is the, like, protocol they use for the PS3 store is apparently the same protocol they use for the PS4 store, so it feels, like, super punitive that they're just, like, this is the end. It feels super early, too. Like, I was talking a lot of shit last week about how companies need to, like, pick a generation and move on, but, like, again... I mean that in terms of, like, new game releases need to be on new consoles. And that's about it. Ever Like, in terms of supporting old consoles, I'm a huge fan of that. Especially for the first, like, two to three years. Because not everyone can afford a console the first day. But again, like, you need to reward the people who get it first day with constant new shiny games that are exclusive for them. But then you support the old ones by, you know, not destroying the whole store at the very fucking least. That's very true. Like, just keep it... If it was a tech issue and it wasn't running the same, like, store front, I would get it. But Vita, too. There's not even a replacement for Vita. You could... Okay, PS3, no one's buying that anymore. It's two generations ago. What do you want from me? They don't have a new handheld. There's nothing else you could have. PSP, even. The PSP store is still being uh, up and running. Okay, that I'll take that. Fine. You can close the PSP store now. But the fact that you're closing the PS Vita store at the same time should tell you that you're closing it too early. Like, what? You're closing all handheld. They're leaving the handheld business. You know who's not leaving the handheld business? Nintendo and Niantic. The cute and lovable colored sprouts of Pikmin are headed to a new mobile AR game headed up by Niantic. The game will be the first from Niantic's Tokyo studio, and I'm excited to see them bring the charming little creatures into the real-life world. I'm happy to hear Niantic's working on anything that isn't Harry Potter. Same. I like Pikmin. They're cute. In hardware rumors that feel just a little bit too good to be true, Nintendo, again, according to Bloomberg's Takahashi Mokuzuki and Ian King, are planning on using a NVIDIA system on a chip that will include a better CPU and memory, along with, this is the important part, NVIDIA's novel rendering solution DLSS, that stands for Deep Learning Super Sampling. It's an upscaling system that uses a dedicated AI processor to boost frame rates and combined regular anti-aliasing with image sharpening and display scaling. Simplified, that leaves like more room on the processor itself to do things like ray tracing and other graphical processes. The surprising thing about this is the technology is only about two and a half years old. It debuted with the NVIDIA RTX 20 series. For a company that was using an outdated chipset at the launch of the Switch, could we be seeing Nintendo correcting their mistakes to make development easier for third-party developers to make their games available on the Switch? I'll put a link in the show notes to the NVIDIA DLSS documentation if you are curious about the science behind the magic. The answer is no. Nintendo isn't going to make things easier. That's inconsistent with their brand. <laughs> Ouch. 
I'm really afraid that they're going to use the DLSS1 protocol, that API, and not the DLSS2, which like lets you do things at game engine level where the 0.1 version was on a games by games basis, because that just feels like what Nintendo would do. <laughs> yes. That's some yes. game science. That was some heavy game science. I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about to the end there. And then I was Me like, neither. oh, now I feel smart. Microsoft is at it again. And they're looking to spend $10 billion, with a B, dollars on video game community Discord. While sources at the company say Discord is more likely to hold an IPO than be sold, that hasn't stopped the flood of talks between Discord and several big names in tech. Discord had talks in the past with Amazon and Epic Games. Microsoft is thought to be looking for communities with vibrant user base to help boost their services division. Looking forward to today, this podcast is the weekly patch brought to you by Microsoft and Xbox, powered by Verizon 5G Network, a Microsoft subsidiary. Sell out with me. Oh, yeah. For context, Disney bought Marvel for $4 billion. Holy shit. Amazon bought Twitch for a billion. Balls. You got 10. How do you? Is it all just like boosting servers? Like, how else do you monetize this? You added into Bit Game Pass, is what it is. It's a Game Pass acquisition. Ooh. I feel like they're going to use Discord to replace Skype because don't forget, Microsoft also bought Skype. Yeah, but Microsoft Skype is like super integrated into like old grandmas know how to use it. I don't know if they're going to get old grandmas on Discord. And I think a lot of the Skype like tech behind skype also runs microsoft teams which is also trash <laughs> i feel like skype is going to be thing transitioned to more of a corporate and then like old people factor whereas uh discord will be like the young new stuff and then xbox the bright spot of the e3 2019 bethesda conference akumi nakamura is opening her own game studio having left tango gameworks just three weeks after her tokyo ghostwire e3 presentation because of health issues the developer has spent the time in between learning what makes a good working environment and hopes to bring what she learns into her new studio the studio will be developing a new ip that is not as serious as her former horror credits would lead people to believe and has a focus on dark humor i love this woman and i would die for her the balls of this the absolute balls were like Damn, I'm fucking loved. I have charisma. I'm gonna make my own game with blackjack and hookers. Love that for her. I'm buying her game. I also like in the interview, she was like, I would like to have full gender quality in my studio. Like, I want to make that like a focus. Also, she wants to bring people from all over the world into the studio, even if there's like language barriers. Spencer, you could work for her. It's almost like she saw the problems with practices at previous places where she might have worked and thought, huh. There's a systemic problem here. Let me go and change it myself. Icon. Legend status. Speaking of legend status. Former head of CEO Reggie Fiamaze is stepping down from GameStop's board of directors a little after a year after he joined. The company is having quite a year from a bad COVID policies to the GME stock incident. The company's latest financial reports show they lost $215.3 million in 2020. Yeah, they all jump and ship, including Reggie. And Reggie, get out of there. We don't want no failures next to your name. There are not enough black people associated with games. We cannot have losses. Kickstarter's vice president and head of community Luke Crane is leaving after a series of bad decisions that centered around the canceled project, The Perfect RPG. I'm going to throw this one to Jordan because he's got more context on the story. So Luke Crane started this thing called Zine Quest at Kickstarter, where every year they 
put forward TTRPG projects to get them visibility and have their success. It's very successful. It happens every year. And this year, he included a project of his own called The Perfect RPG. The Perfect RPG included a designer called Adam Coble. And Adam Coble is known for being a part of the long-running TTRPG series Far Verona, which is pretty successful on YouTube. It had like several episodes, had multiple seasons, dedicated fan base. And in one of his campaigns last year, he, as the GM, I'm going to use the word orchestrated, a scenario where one of his players got injured in a fight and needed help from an old friend, this NPC that he was creating. And that NPC, instead of helping that character, uh, sexually assaulted the character in-game. Which, if you're not familiar with TTRPGs, not okay to do at all. And made everybody feel unsafe. So the entire team of Farfona left, stopped doing the show. And I say this part to say, when you include Adam Coble in a project, and in this case, Luke Crane uh, headed the project and didn't tell other collaborators that Adam Coble was being involved, it uh, became a big deal. And when people found out about it, he canceled the project. And that was about three weeks ago. And now... That's a, just as about as long as it takes for you to put in a notice to leave your job. Yeah. Uh, for transparency purposes, Luke Crane was a professor at the same school that I was a professor at at the same time and also served as an advisor in some capacity to my game. We should talk when we were part of the NYU incubator project. You say for disclosure, but it feels mostly for humble bragging. It's not for humble bragging because rules talk. Fuck Luke Crane. But I also do cool things. There it is. The truth comes out. I hope none of my colleagues hear that from here first instead of just hearing me say it out loud first. I'd rather them hear me say it out loud first. The next story is frustrating because I can't believe we're having this conversation again. Sonic Creator's nightmare fuel of a game, Balan Wonderworld, it seems, has a very dangerous final boss fight. Liano Rupert of Game Informer breaks down how the scene is dangerous to epileptics. Square Enix has said that the scene in question was suffering from a pre-launch bug and that a day one patch would fix this. However, the tweet did not address the specifics, just a general fixes potential flashing bug. According to a tweet by Fanbyte's Imran Khan, only one platform has epileptic triggers in their certification. That is horrifying and it again is doing nothing to boost my confidence in what the platforms are doing during the certification process. Certification is like HR. It's not there to protect you. Certification is like the Oscars. It's really important and uh, it's as opaque as humanly possible and obviously super flawed and biased. But what do you want to do? Create something transparent that works? Middle finger. It only exists to protect Sony and PlayStation, but not actually uh, represent any clarity of what a quality thing should be. And it's interesting that you pick Sony and PlayStation for that. The only platform with the epileptic trigger in their certification is Nintendo. That's because of Porygon. Yeah. It is. Yes. What is with this? Like, when I first heard this news story, my immediate reaction was like, did none of these game developers watch Pokemon as a kid? I remember in the 90s it being such a huge fucking deal. I knew that flashing lights and strobe lights caused epileptic seizures by the time I was like seven. Because some kids in Japan had a seizure watching Porygon and the entire world would not shut the fuck up about it. I can't imagine any human... Like, when this happened with Cyberpunk, I had the same thoughts. Who exists today that has the ability to make a game 
a whole ass video game, but has somehow never heard that flashing lights are super dangerous. Everyone just collectively was like, man, why'd we stop using flashing lights? They look so sick. And like, we're just putting them in again. It's crazy to me. It really angers me that Square Enix expressed that the scene in question was suffering from pre-launch bugs and the day one patch would fix this because one, it implies that there's knowledge that this is a problem, but two, you send out pre-day one patch codes to people to review. People play these games before those patches come out. The finalists for this year's Dice Awards have been announced. We're not going to go in over every category, but Game of the Year finalists are Animal Crossing New Horizons, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and Last of Us Part Two. And in a head-scratching moment for this host in particular, Cyberpunk 2077 was nominated for Best RPG of the Year. How? Why? Hey, Spencer? Hey, Spencer, hmm. you know what's more upsetting than that? You know what's more upsetting than Cyberpunk 2077 being nominated for Best RPG of the Year? Finding out live on this podcast that you don't use the Oxford comma. Sorry. What game is Hades and Last of Us Part 2? I don't know that <laughs> game, Spencer. What is this shit? What is this? Communications major? You don't use the Oxford comma on this podcast? In my house? The Oxford comma has been taken out of most style guides. Get out. I'm adding it. It's good for clarity. It's important. It imports information to the reader. How dare you? The Oxford comma is as important as the Dice Awards is. Take that as you this podcast was canceled. I hate. I, I can't believe we got halfway through this episode. It's going to be one of those weird, like, oh, wow, it's weird that the weekly patch is only 26 minutes today. That's so crazy. I wonder what's going on. That's so short. It's such a tight news week. Because it ends now. Because it's over. Do you guys both say GIF, too, you pieces of shit? Straight to the gulag. You, you, gulag. I put that comment in the show notes. I'll be damned. No, Cyberpunk 27. <laughs> words i can't even say the game's name it makes me so upset it's glitching just like you are cyberpunk 2077 glitches in my mouth when i try to say the name that's how bad this game is broken glitches in my mouth sounds like a good trap song it does really it sound does. like i would listen to a cyberpunk themed album called glitches in my mouth Based off the experiences of a person trying to play cyberpunk 2077 day one and slowly going insane Right. Note about this for later. <laughs> right? Right? You're welcome. Check, please. I'm an idea man, you know? Like, I, I just, I'll give you the ideas. Just cut me my percentage. I won't even take a large one. No. <laughs> God damn it. It's funny that Cyberpunk still isn't on PSN, and it's nominated <laughs> for Game of the Year for Best RPG. Yeah, it's like, you look at the list, it's like Persona 5 Royal, Yakuza Like a Dragon, and then Cyberpunk 2077, and you're like, one of these things is definitely not like the other. No, it is. Because it's just a list of all the triplest A RPGs plus the one indie we allow to look cool and uh, give us credibility. We get street cred with one indie title in every category, and the rest are just, okay, who's the big dogs? Look at the game of the year category. Animal Crossing New Horizons, doesn't matter. Like That game might not have made the list if it wasn't as high selling as it was, it doesn't matter how good the game was. Animal Crossing New Horizons could have been the exact same game, and it would not be on this list if it sold half as many copies as it did. Flat out. Period. 
So you have Animal Crossing New Horizons. Again, on there because it's high-selling AAA game. Final Fantasy VII Remake, high-selling AAA game. Ghost of Tsushima, the closest thing they're parading as their, like, indie darling. But in reality, it's Hades, the indie studio that we allow to exist and be good to uh, show how cool and, you know, look at the indies. They're so great. Like, all the art. Anyways, here's Last of Us Part Two. We replaced the black guy with a white guy. So what we're going to do? Have a black protagonist? That's crazy. Oh, it's Cyberpunk 2077. Just go fuck yourself. Like, it's, just, it's all of... The, you know, Ghost of Tsushima and Hades are the smallest games on that list. And if you call either game a small game... Like, Hades, at this point, I don't even know if I would call Triple I. You, you recently taught me what Triple I is, so you'll have to tell me if it is. Because Hades, to me, is so... Maybe two games ago, they stopped being Triple I. And started just becoming a big studio. Am I wrong? I would say... They're like really close to not being triple I anymore, but they're still triple I because they're legitimately independent. Right. That's the thing. They are. And I do love them. I love make no, this is yes. not to, to dig on them. I love them. All of their games are amazing. They make the the best video game music in video game history. I'm sorry? The, the consistency with which they pr- produce amazing video game music is unsurpassed. They're the I'm people sorry? who turn the email server off too, right? I don't even know what that They're means. like, your email's done at five o'clock. You're gone. Get out of here. Oh. Get out of this mm. studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did hear they have good practices there. Yeah, no. Love them. Hire me to write for your next game. But they're still huge. That's still, they're still huge. Like, when they make a new game, it's news that they're announcing a new game. You know what I mean? That's where, like, it starts getting, like, they're big. Where just the idea that, like, oh, wait, oh, this is just, oh, oh God, we gotta play this. Yeah. Also, when your game has been out for four years in beta, but like completely finishable, are you a new game anymore? Are you a game of this year? If you can complete, if you can like complete the game, and then it kind of like releases after five hundred thousand people have bought it already, like come on. I didn't know this game existed until last year. Yeah, it's been out for a very long time. Sorry, it was, I don't pay, it, it was the I big epic games game. I ignore any alpha stuff. If if it's if they claim that it's in like what's that Xbox version of alpha bullshit? Early access. Early access, oh, thank right. you so much. Yeah, anything that's, like, early access, it doesn't matter if you're, like, no, Kelly, this game was in early access for, like, eight years. Like, the fact that I was, like, I'm not going to play Fortnite. It's in fucking early access. Just tell me when it comes out. It's still in beta, isn't it? Yes, that's the joke, Sager. Fortnite's the Gmail of video games. Is Gmail still in beta? It's not anymore, but it was in beta for, like, a fucking decade or more. Long oh, time. that's amazing. Yeah, see, that's why I still use Yahoo. And you're complaining at me about an Oxford comma. When Google gets a catchier fucking slogan than Yahoo. That's not a a slogan. (laughs) What's it called? A jingle. That's what I was looking for. When they get a catchier jingle than somebody just like yodeling Yahoo. I'll switch. It's my favorite thing to say. And unless something terrible happens, this will be the longest we will ever talk about the Dice Awards. Cool. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with uh, roasting them for 10 minutes on this podcast and then moving on. You don't actually have to cover things just because those things claim to be important. I know that's a lot of that's really hard for a lot of games journalists because it's like, no, we have to cover this procedurally genocide generated genocide game because it really, really just doesn't it look like a game we should be covering? You know what I mean? It just doesn't it look like it deserves constant coverage 24 seven. It just it. What if if we don't? That's weird because we give every single video game that comes out the exact same level of coverage, you know? Yeah. Story Season sold 700,000 copies. Are we we covering that? Like, I'm so happy with that number. I'm shocked. I have mind blown. Good for them. Good for her. 
I'm going to put as many Jessica Walters quotes in this episode as I can. We're going to get a look at some upcoming PC titles at Steam's Next Fest in June, happening the same week as Digital E3 Conference. Steam says there'll be developer live streams, game demos, and more online interactive fan events. Are they working with E3 or are they doing something else to just like... Something else. This is something else. And they've done this already. And it is terrible. Yep. Oh, good. It is a mess. There's there's no way for them to control it. They give a couple people front page things. They do a stream. That game that's already doing very well is going to get that front page thing and get a bunch of list lists and a bunch of pre-orders and all the other people that are like, you can be a part of this festival too. We'll stay at the bottom and it'll not affect them at all. It might sound like I have experience with this and this is the exact thing that happened to me. Because it is. Because Steam is not the platform to be doing this. Nope. They don't have the... They don't know how to do this. It's also just not a great platform for like stability when it comes to lots of people trying to access a single page at once. So this is a terrible idea. I am always under the impression that Steam's PR department is fucking like three people and like a fax machine. I would say three monkeys and a typewriter. It's two people. They can't count to three. No, it's two people, but they call it three. Because it's always like every time they're like, hey, we want to do this X, Y, Z thing. It's always just like, who wrote this? Who looked at this? Did anybody talk about this before they decided to do it? Like every time. Steam is the Twitch of gods. That broke my brain. You lost me. Digital storefronts, I guess would be. Thank you. Steam is the Twitch of digital storefronts. In other terrible PR events from this week. This week, we had ID at Xbox. A four-hour-long press conference that showed off 60 games, 20 of them that'll be coming to Game Pass Day 1. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in free play. That does it for this week's Scrum. Now let's look at our backlog tickets and focus on this week's Quality Assurance. So this week's Quality Assurance, I mean, is one of the ones that we originally came up with when we were formulating this podcast. And it has come roaring back into life today with a ban so twitch banned a streamer who's named it's pinky because a dude on twitter posted a clip of her on her channel queefing not in like a weird sexy way in a like hey guys look at this funny thing i can do on command way the vaginal version of the armpit fart if you will yeah that is very good I can't do that. I used to spend a lot of time trying, but I could never do it. And it was just like wild to watch in real time. Like someone post it and like I saw it and then I went to bed and then she had gotten a three day ban by the time I had woken up the next morning. At some point in time, Twitch is going to have to, I guess like you have to start back at the beginning. So like, is it 2018? They come out with that like terrible dress code. Oh, God. Yeah. It was so bad. Oh, God. It was the worst thing. And, that like, it, body painters on Twitch are some of the most ridiculously talented artists on this planet, as are all body painters, because they do witchcraft. And body painters trying to, to navigate the obtuse and meandering rules that are Twitch Toss has been such a fucking unnecessary nightmare that stems 100% from the fact that Twitch is terrified of all of the neckbeards that are like... These titty streamers are taking all our watches and views and subs. I mean, that was the conversation immediately. Like, underneath the guy's original post, like, immediately the next one was like, oh, this is, like, how how can Twitch do this? People are out there grinding every day. They don't deserve to have their viewers taken. 
Every single person that commented on that post should have to show me that they can queef from their vagina or shut the fuck up. <laughs> or just imagine being like, I'm less entertaining than a queef. That's what you're saying when you're like, I'm <laughs> grinding and I'm not getting viewers. You really try to like the, those queef fetishists made up such a large part of your audience that you're pressed by this. And you think that the problem is her. Guess what it comes down to? Because like, it's, it's a really funny thing where it's like, oh, you know, she, she was queefing. And so like. You know, some people might not know what that means. A queef is when, like, air gets in your vagina because it's a cavity. Just like, you know, you can, sounds come out when air comes out of your ass. We're adults. We can talk, like, that's the thing. It's like, just being an adult, we talk about it. Like, sometimes when you shift or when you're fucking or a bunch of other reasons, you know, sometimes air gets in the va- vaginal cavity. It leaves and it makes a fart sound. That's just what fucking happens that's in a biological way. Like, it's it's a fart. But it comes out of a a hole that's a little bit higher up. That's literally it. There's nothing. You don't need to see the vagina. This wasn't her like spreading her labia and then like blowing confetti. This was literally just like a woman on Twitch farting. Also, that would be very impressive if confetti was popped out of it. I would watch the shit out of that. But you could be like, you can't have labia on Twitch. That's like a, I don't know where you'd put that, but I want to know. Just chatting. (laughs) This is a continued like Twitch's trash thing. Because there was that story last year, and maybe I'll put this in the show notes if I want to look it up, where there was a streamer whose name I'd like to look up now that I mention it, who was just cosplaying as Chun-Li. I was, little, I was looking for this. And she was so cute. She had such a good Chun-Li cosplay too. It's not even like, you could be like, oh, it was like a casual cosplay where it was blue lingerie. Very accurate. It, it was, was just very, a very, very accurate. accurate cosplay. Like... You can't even complain that there was like, oh, she wasn't really trying to cosplay. She was just like, because people, that's what people do is they have to try to like convince themselves that they can have an argument that doesn't boil down to, I don't think it's fair that people have tit. I'm looking at the picture of this girl who got the three-day band. I do not know how to say her name, which I feel bad about. It's Q-U-Q-C-O. Cuckoo? Yeah. I'm literally trying to understand why they're mad. Are they mad you can see thighs? Is this what it is? Is this what it's come down to? Like, are they mad you can see thighs? Because here's the thing. Like, as a woman who streams on Twitch, who is got bigger thighs and bigger boobs, I am terrified all the time of what I wear on stream. Like, all the time. Yeah, 100%. it's It's like a frigging, like, I have, like, a whole part of my closet that I don't even, like, look at. Like, 90% of the time, it's like, put black leggings on and put a t-shirt on and put a cardigan over it, because if it's a v-neck, good God, like, who knows, right? I think that's such a beautiful, like, thing to have both of us on the show right now, because it's the same thing where, like, here's my experience. I hit, I got my period in fifth grade. I hit puberty the summer of fifth grade, which means in seventh grade, I had D-cups. One day, my first period math class, I left math class to take the pictures for the yearbook for the chess team, and then went back to class, came back, and did a little bit of math. Then our teacher stopped class to tell me I needed to go to the office because my shirt was inappropriate. A shirt that I had just worn that would be in the school yearbook was all of a sudden halfway through class inappropriate. The, I remember the shirt so well. It was like a black V-neck shirt with one of those like, not a tank top, but like the wide sleeves that go to the shoulder, like the three inch sleeves that don't quite go over, like don't fall enough to be a cap sleeve. Because this is, like, May. It's hot as shit in this building. So I'm wearing, like, the close, like, the the three-finger rule was our rule at school. So it was, like, four fingers. I always liked to be out, you know, 
give myself wiggle room because I knew that the dress code always went hard on me. So this is a shirt that I knew was on the edge, but it was hot and it was cute and I wanted to wear it. It was just black with like blue piping on the collar. That's it. Less than two weeks later, a girl who has a normal seventh grade body, quote unquote normal, like, you know, same like little kid body still, wears the exact same shirt as me to this exact same class. And after class was over, I went up to the teacher who had sat through the entire class with this girl in this shirt and asked why her identical shirt was okay and mine wasn't. He told me it was because it was distracting on me and not on her. That has been my experience since I was in seventh grade. That's so I have the exact same feelings you do, Spencer. And every day I open my closet and I go, if I was meeting up with my friends to hang out, what outfit would I wear? And that is what I wear. And what fucking bothers me is that if what I wear goes against Twitch dress code at any point, I am wearing something that would not get me kicked out of a bar. I am wearing something that I would wear to a fucking TGI Fridays. I am not, like, I'm not even going extra. I literally, I got to the point where, like, I got with you where I was really scared and I was wearing clothes that, like, were way more conservative than I would normally wear and tons of layers. And I was like, I'm not going to change the way I dress to appease bad faith bigots that are going to hate me no matter what. You know what I mean? I have been called out for wearing every type of clothing you can wear because I have the same body under it and it's the fact that I'm a woman that's the problem so for me I come at it with the other direction where I'm like no I'm not gonna I refuse to change what I wear I like wearing v-neck shirts I will wear v-neck shirts on stream and what bothers me is the phrase titty streamer is a thing is a pejorative that applies to or applied to initially Girls that were cam girls for like sex webcam sites that decided that they didn't want to do like the difference between like hardcore and softcore pornography, basically. They were like, I don't want to do like full on cam girl stuff anymore. I mostly just want to like wear lingerie and do like nerdy stuff because there are nerdy sex workers. I know that's like a bizarre concept for incels because they're so convinced that like I couldn't get laid because I liked video games. So the idea that there are sexy women that like video games really fucks with them. It, I get that. It's hard for you. It's your personality. That's the problem, not your hobbies. Let me say that again. It's your personality that's the problem, not your hobbies. And you can work on your personality. You can change that way easier than you can change your hobbies. So just take that and run with it. So these girls started streaming on Twitch and they were intentionally provocative and they'd be flirty. You know, they do all the same stuff they do on normal cam where they'd be flirty and sexually provocative, maybe have like, you know, like lollipop sexual stuff, whatever the fuck it was. And just, you know, didn't have, like, simulated sex and stuff on stream. Like, they stayed within Twitch toss. And that became seen as cam girls swooping in and stealing the followers of the brave, bold, predominantly white male video game streamers who assumed that the men... Because this is the thought process, is that the people that are spending all of their time and money flirting with women in quote-unquote titty streams designed to be flirty, sexually enticing, mature streams are the same people you think were actually going to be going to Twitch to watch you play Fortnite. You like you think that that's the same audience. You don't think that a bunch of people that were following that cam girl, because guess what? I know cam girls. They absolutely have fans that follow them to different sites. Didn't have fans that joined Twitch to watch them? That sometimes people go to Twitch and if they're looking to like 
flirt. I'd rather have them because it's the thing. I'd rather have men going to Twitch to flirt that go to women who are looking to flirt with them. That's why, like, sex work is great, even if it's not uh, the difference between hardcore pornography and softcore pornography. If if titty streamers are a form of sex work where they are filling the niche of, you know, emotional and companionship in that way, the same way that a lot of, like, cam girls fill that, but um, even more explicit, why is that bad? That's a niche. That's not, were you trying to do that? Are you are you mad that, that you can't fill that niche that they can? Because you can. You can go be sexy on Twitch and flirt with people in your chat, regardless of your body type, your gender, whatever. Just do it. But you don't want to person mad at sex workers. You just want to be mad at sex workers for existing. And what really bothers me, sometimes even more than people who dismiss or insult or use as a pejorative titty streamers, are women and allies that quote-unquote like own or reclaim the title of titty streamer but are not sexual streamers what i mean by that is when i see female streamers that stream and their streams are just like i'm a girl i play video games i'm streaming and they are not focused on that flirtatious cam girl style look at the entire point is I want you to look at my breasts. I'm wearing revealing clothing so that we can have a sexually charged conversation. I my, my streams are focused on my titties. That's why I'm a titty streamer. When you're not that, when you are literally just a girl streaming and then you quote unquote reclaim the title of titty streamer, what I see that as, as conceding the argument that all women who stream on Twitch are titty streamers. That if you are a woman on Twitch and you have visible breasts, you mean for them to be ogled, and the reason you are there is to sexually entice people. And I find that really regressive and unhelpful and damaging. And I think that there's two simultaneous conversations that need to be had. One, we need to normalize and stop shaming sex work. And we need to be like, titty streamers are great. Titty streamers fucking deserve to exist and have a very specific niche that they fill quite well. And it takes a lot of effort and work. If you've never tried being a, a, a cam girl, a cam person, a cam guy, just try it. Try it for pretend. Spend a bunch of money on fancy outfits. Be very good at being very smooth at talking to strangers and bouncing off people's weird ass fucking internet stranger random comments and be on just that. That if you don't know what being on means, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about when you say being a camera doesn't work. Like, being a streamer is work. Being on just to play video games is work and is exhausting. I couldn't imagine being, like, sexual and flirty for four fucking hours to strangers. That's exhausting. That's so much even more work. So let's start there. Like, first off, titty streamers are valid and have a place, and it doesn't need to be pejorative. But second off, equating all female streamers with the term titty streamer even if you mean it in a like reclamative like when people say oh i like titty streamers i like kaylee you're cool it really upsets me it really does and it's not because i don't like sex workers it's because i'm not a sex worker it's like i just do you do you think that i'm trying to be sexually enticing do you think i'm inviting you to be sexual in my chat like this is not this is not a, a, a sexually charged space in that way. My intention is not to be a sexual object in that way for you. No, I'm just trying to play fucking video games. And I think that 
by conceding the ground that there are like all streamers with titties are titty streamers you're just giving them like you're just agreeing with them you're just saying like yep people only watch girls stream because of their tits so i just i just wanted to say that because i think you know having a conversation about titty streamers is an important conversation i I also like the idea of reclaiming the phrase titty streamer because i think it's really fun and great and anything that normalizes sex work is fun and great but i also think it really needs to be said that if we're gonna reclaim titty streamer and we're going to normalize sex work you have to do that and i think it's cheap and lazy to be like yep all girls are titty streamers what of it it's like no they are girls can be whatever they want to be if they want to be a titty streamer they can be that if they want to be a fortnite streamer they can be that if they want to be a fucking uh Stardew valley streamer they can be that they can be whatever the fuck type of streamer they want and i think it's just really regressive to be like it's a feminist statement to say that all women who stream are their titties first. The adjective to describe my stream first shouldn't be my breasts. If the point of your stream is, that's perfectly fine. I think that's cool. It's so damaging to me that you can't have a nuanced conversation. You can't be like, yeah, sex workers are awesome. Because you find out that the people who are like, I'm pro titty streamer aren't pro sex worker. What they mean is, like, I'm pro-female streamer, and to me, that means titties. I think it's hard because that article that came out last year about all the sexual harassment and how they're handling it on the platform, the men who work at Twitch, and in the article, they call it specifically that this wasn't a period of time that was over, it is a consistent thing that has been happening, refer to most women who stream on the platform as titty streamers or boob streamers, right? Yep. So... I think there has to be a way that they can have a TOS that doesn't police bodies based off of the gender of that body. 100%. When you go to watch my stream, you have to check a box that says you're over 18. The fact that they have that in place and then it can't be as easy as no nipples for any gender under 18. Any nipples of any gender over 18. And that's it. That's it. You have to be over 18 to watch porn and see nipples and all that fun stuff. And everything else, Twitch has such an easy way out. That's not even a perfect, I'm not saying that's the perfect solution to where if I could create the perfect solution, that's what it would be. I'm saying that Twitch has an easy solution that would do a pretty decent job and far better than they're doing now if they just used their existing features. It would take them nothing because they're there to go over 18, anything with nipples, under 18, make it even stricter and then just have a bunch of streamers because i feel like that's what they don't want to do because they have a bunch of 12 year olds using their parents credit cards on fortnite streamers and they don't want to worry about fortnite streamers dropping another n-word and then having the parents be mad and be like well we don't really have a toss so you can't be mad at us like it, it would be so easy that's it that's all it would take and like to just to go off of that back when mixer used to be a platform it had similar things to what you were saying, where they had age restrictions. Like, oh, if this stream is labeled under 12, there's no cursing in either the streamer or the chat. If it's teenage, you can curse, whatnot. And then over 18 can be more sexual stuff. They, of course, had their own version of Twitch's rules of uh, restricting clothing and whatnot. But, like, they had a system in place. But now that Mixer is gone, Twitch doesn't need or doesn't see the reason to implement such a system themselves because they don't have any competition. They can just continue to do nothing as they're doing now. 
I actually really like that because I think having, especially with Twitch being so huge with like Roblox being so huge with children under the age of 13 and Minecraft and games like that. And like we have like little eight year olds streaming and shit now. I think it actually would make a lot of sense, probably too much sense to have like a 12 and under. 12 to 17 and then 18 and up my only concern would be like patreon has an, a like a, a mature content thing that you can check for your patreon but what they do is if you have that checked your patreon page is not ser- searchable someone has to type in your exact url 100 correctly to find your page it will not appear in searches and so my concern would be if we're if we're talking about this seriously my concern would be twitch implementing something like that And then making 18 up be like, cool, 18 up isn't eligible for the following this and that. And 18 up can't be on the homepage. And 18 up can't be featured in ads. And 18 up. And I I would be worried about that because then Twitch could just be like, uh, throw every problematic person into 18 and up and then hide behind the fact that they're in 18 and up. Dr. Disrespect's marked 18 and up. I don't know what the problem is. So it could definitely be abused. I mean, anything can, of course, be abused if you're in an abusive system, which is why Twitch just needs to kind of like have a cleansing fire. But. I think a really good first step would absolutely be like 12 and under. And I, I just think about Ninja molding the minds of little 12-year-olds and it makes me so sad. And then just, pretending he doesn't. And then pretending he doesn't. It makes me so sad to think about. But like I do think like a 12 and under thing would be a really legitimate thing where it's just like... And it worked for Mixer. Well, and if you're going to have little kids streaming, it's like, cool, have like like Twitch kids where like kids accounts can't be activated unless like a parent like puts their information in or something like it has to be verified. And then like the parent gets like of the VOD emailed to them. So if they want to watch it, they can. And they can see what their little fucking kid is saying on the Internet. Like they have parental features like that. Like you could do a lot of things to make it less of a fucking cesspool. But again, I am afraid of how they would treat the 18 plus thing. But in a vacuum, that would be the fastest way. Just make 18 plus. You can show nipple. Anything under, you have to be something that you can legally wear to a beach. Like, that's what I think it should be. Like, can I legally wear it to a beach? Then why the fuck does it matter? If I can be outside in public at a public beach and I'm not arrested, why can't I wear it on Twitch? That is 100% how I feel. And the only exception to that is the fact that male presenting nipples are allowed on beaches and female presenting nipples aren't, which is why I would have a, like, no nipples under 18, nipples over 18 rule. Nipples are gross. Sometimes I don't want to look at them. I stay under 18. But, like, I also want to free the nipples. So, like, all all nipples all the time. 18 plus. Nipple. All nipples all the time. <laughs> Hashtag nipple. Hashtag nipple. I'm reminded of um, when South Park, the fractured butthole, was making its round at events before it released and they had the some bad pun for oculus but it was uh, it was it was smell-o-vision so that they could fart into your face i remember this as a result of the thing and how that was like like some people have problems with it but it's mostly like haha south park being south park and kind of just shows how disingenuous the argument about like the actual act that happened ha- was because it's not shocking it's just like oh yeah that's what you do you just you just fart in people's faces and that's like a thing that's like actually illegal in some countries, major countries like the UK. Like really? that's like a problem. Uh, Lorke Dell mentioned this around that time, where she was explaining that like having children fart on people's faces or people fart in children's faces in Britain is considered a sexual act and is considered like sexual abuse. Yes, I get that. And was and she was dismissed universally, pretty much when bringing that up. Which like it goes it's not it's not about the actual the fact that 
that she did a queef. It's not about it's a bad isn't it? all bad faith arguments. It's the fact that she's a woman, and on, in this case, also a sex worker, it, and other platforms that it's all about, which is just a way to to discriminate against her. We really, really, really need to control women's bodies. At the end of the day, is yeah. the number one important thing when it comes to any sort of TOS. To quote the uh, article from GamingIndustry.biz, there were rare moments where these guys would come out with it and were honest. Quote, this woman is a problem because she's showing too much cleavage and we need to come up with a way that does not bend our rules, but allows us to get her off the website. And Twitch's like response to this whole article was that was years ago and we're not going to talk about it. Yep. But then you turn around and have banned two women now that we can think of like readily off the top of our heads for showing thighs and female gross out humor great if youtube can have naked yoga twitch should be able to have body painting wait what naked yoga this is the thing i found out earlier in the week Uh, apparently you can just watch porn on youtube in the form of naked yoga just full nudity all the time it's not even hard to find on youtube Anybody just type in naked yoga on YouTube and just see everything. Tiger, how much naked yoga did you watch this week? None. Is is that porn? I don't know if that's porn. Yeah, if YouTube can have that, then Twitch can have body paint. All right. So, yeah, Twitch, just do better. I'm just tired of having it be like every week. There's just like something where they're just like, we've been a company owned by one of the largest companies in the world for ever. Fuck Amazon. Yeah, I mean, did they let the Twitch people pee correctly? Like, is that... Oh my god, that was such a good cell phone. It came out today as we're recording this, officially. I mean, everyone's known it, but it officially came out that Jeff Bezos was like, fuck the people I pay for PR. I'm mad about getting dunked on for my pee bottles. I need everyone to say it's not true. And then they got a bunch of obvious accounts that were like, hey, I work at Amazon and I don't pee in a bottle. And I've been getting nonstop, when I'm watching YouTube, my ads... Every other ad is this ad for Amazon. And the worst, the best part, the worst part is every single one is such a perfect accidental L, accidentally liberal, where it's like, Amazon's a great company. I've had an entry level position for the last six years and it doesn't make me pee in a bottle or anything. There's tons of room for advancement. Then everyone's like, you've been in an entry level position for six years and you think there's room for advancement? And then, like, the ad that literally came on before we started recording was this girl who was like, golly gee, I work at the Amazon warehouse, and I make a living wage, and my boyfriend and I just moved into a new apartment, and we love it. And I'm like, girl, you don't make enough money to where you and your boyfriend's joint incomes can afford anything other than new apartment as the, like, pinnacle of your life, because we've been so trained. Fuck, and my boyfriend and I just bought a house. You should be, if you work for Amazon, you should be able to own a home. That is how much money Amazon makes. Amazon has a lot of employees. Big numbers are hard. Trust me. All humans are human. I get it. I'm not trying to shame you. But like, watch those TikToks with the rice, where like each grain of rice is like 10 grand. Those things will do wonders for your perspective on how much billionaires really have. And it's like, 
if you or you can play these fun games where it's like take Jeff Bezos uh, Jeff Bezos's net worth and then it shows you like you can buy whatever you want and it's like the price of owning NASA and the price of owning a country and the price of owning like a Lamborghini and it's like you could solve all of these world crises because like climate change will cost this amount to solve in the next 10 years uh world starvation that'll cause you know that would cost x amount of money to just fix right now and you can solve all the world problems and still own four houses and 10 lamborghinis if you are jeff bezos it's it's fucking crazy that math confuses me but i do know that if you if i were given all of jeff bezos money right now i would it would be impossible for me to spend all of it in a day i don't think anyone could you couldn't you literally (laughs) couldn't look at Mackenzie bezos that bitch has been giving it away as much as she physically can. No one thought you would give away money as fast as you can. And she's like, no, everyone is just a lazy asshole when they have money. I'm just a pissed off normal woman. And this is what a pissed off normal woman would do with half of a billionaire's money. Like, it's it's been weirdly satisfying with all the caveats of, like, a rich white woman that would marry Jeff Bezos. Like, you know, <laughs> still, you know, philanthropy is bad. You wouldn't need philanthropy if we tax rich people correctly. The amount of philanthropy that's given in any year is nowhere near as much as the amount of money that we would generate if we could just tax them fairly. And what world problems got solved wouldn't be at the whims of the pet projects of rich people. So that's how I feel about the philanthropy. Uh, you get no extra bonus cookie points for philanthropy. It is literally less than the least you could do. The least you could do is take all your extra money every year and give it to the government and be like, here, this is how much you should have taxed me. Pay, fund it for Social Security. Here, this is Fable 3 it. Here, this, I'm, I'm putting another $400,000 on the Treasury so that when the blight comes, we don't all die. Jeff Bezos, buy everyone PPE and mail it, like, pay people to hand deliver it. Pay your Amazon drones to hand deliver masks to everybody. You could, but you won't. That's it. Because we saw it, because you didn't. It's not even because you won't. It's because you didn't. We already lived through it. It's a radicalized podcast, but I'm just... <laughs> everyone who works at Amazon could afford a house. Nobody's lives would be affected. And that's the saddest part. Nobody at the top of Amazon's lives would be affected if they no longer got the dividends that could house every person that works at Amazon. Don't look at the math on, well, I mean, look at the math on this shit so that you can know that I'm right and it's horrifying, but like, just know, like, don't look at the math on this shit because it will depress you. It will make you, it will, like, sometimes it makes me smile. Sometimes I do depression math where I just like spiral out of control where I just look this shit up. It's too bad. This is why, like, I love stats and I love economics, but sometimes I got to stay away because I'll just play, like, play accountant. Oh, it's so sad what we could do just like don't like look at the u.s defense budget and be like okay if we have this what can we do with half of that and then you will throw up for the rest of the day that's one of my favorite things to do like it's bad it's, it's really bad, bad for you to do that don't, don't do that that's actually an yeah, eating disorder if you do that i'm yeah, so yeah. sorry i'm not encouraging eating disorders fasting is an eating disorder please stop it intermittent fasting is the thing we made up there you go all right i think that covers twitch's failing for this, this week. week yeah right <laughs> this week we will be back talking about this at some point i'm sure so let's move on into free play i'm gonna start and talk about a world that's not really as capitalist as i thought it would be and i'm gonna talk oh. about story of seasons pioneers of Olive Town. it's really good it's like sucked up oh. my entire life like all my free time has been animal has been animal crossing has been story of seasons i think i have what is it two hours on stream and then like eight hours on my review save that I'm working on and they really did 
what they needed to do this time. Story of Seasons was going to have to answer the fact that Stardew Valley exists, and they did it without making it less Story of Seasons. So for someone who doesn't really know what Stories of Seasons is, how would you explain it? Stardew Valley is a good jumping off point for sure. Yeah, Story of Seasons is what American kids know as Harvest Moon because it's the same developer and there's a whole like ruthless. It's literally the same game. So like, yeah. Story of Seasons was called Story of Seasons was called something totally different in Japan. And when they brought it to America, they were like, "Oh, we'll call it Harvest Moon." And so the localization American localization team called it Harvest Moon. And then that localization team localized a bunch of quote-unquote Harvest Moon games. And then eventually the real Harvest Moon was like, "Hey, we're going to get a new localization team." And the old localization team was like, okay, cool, but we own the rights to the phrase Harvest Moon. We actually own that copyright. So the original Harvest Moon games, if you played Harvest Moon 64, um, Harvest Moon Magical Melodies on the GameCube, those games now release in the U.S. under the title Story of Seasons, which is still not a transliteration of the Japanese name. So what the fuck ever. And now the old English translation company develops their own u.s games that they call harvest moon games so if you go to the store you will find new harvest moon games that are not made by that same company that made your old school quote-unquote harvest moon games people still go to stores no wait that's right people are (laughs) well i mostly meant like if you go to gamestop.com or amazon.com and you type in harvest moon you will find new games and i think like the top like i can't remember how many have come out now but like the the, like three most recent harvest moon games are actually the american company making their version of harvest moon whereas story of seasons god it might be more than three now it's it is three years you're right it's three fuck i'm disgusting this one coming out this year yeah, it just came out in May- March. I played that game too, and they're not even the bad. That well, game they're is- not even that bad. I guess I should say they're not. They're not the worst. They're more like you know, Harvest Moon in the U.S. was kind of going down, and the current Harvest Moon games kind of keep that quality bar. They haven't gotten worse, but they're basically like yeah, they're those ones. Whereas the Japanese Story of Seasons games are just kind of have been improving for the last couple of years. So it's. That's true. The Harvest Moon One World came out March like second, like right at the beginning of this month, and um, it's a fine game. It's very basic in how it works, but it it has it suffers from that problem of they know that people aren't going to get through this game. Like farm sims are very weird. People usually play like one route or do like one like marriage candidate, and then they're out. Right. The problem with this is that like it would had you go to different areas. And the further you got into the game, the more technical problems that game had, where it would like freeze up and you'd have to, you'd lose hours of time because it didn't have autosave. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. Story of Seasons does have autosave, which hooray for autosave. The other thing that I'm really impressed with with Story of Seasons is how far they have pushed the gender i want them to go farther with their character creator and the romance options for same-sex marriage are pretty good the character creator lets you create a character without any gender attached to it minus like one of them i think is called like one of the eye shapes has like 
a bad name. It's like feminine. And it's like, you guys can come up with anything other than that for like the shape of an eye when you've done it for like literally every other thing. The problem is, is that when you get to the story, it then makes you choose a binary gender, which is what I would like them to improve the next time they do it. Because that character creator was, I think, what everyone wanted from cyberpunk, right? Like you can make your body shape, whatever you want. You can pick whatever voice, like pitch you want. And then, like, you even do get to choose between, like, are you the grandson or the granddaughter? That's, like, one of the only times I've ever seen that. You were so close. You were so close, right? You could have just been the grandchild, and then you wouldn't have to write everything twice. That's the beautiful part about, like, and that's the real gag of it, is if you're inclusive to non-binary people and you just use non-gendered language, then you don't have to do everything multiple times. It, it literally, it's one of those situations where, like, you could even do it for the wrong reasons. There are evil reasons to do it, for God's sake. Just do it. Just be like, oh, and here, you make all these things. You never need to reference a gender whatsoever. Like, here, you're the grandchild. Name yourself. And now we just call you by that name. That's it. Doesn't have to be a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. I was, like, very excited coming out of the creator to just be like, oh, guys, so close. Yeah, so I think it does a good job. Like, the character creator was something I thought was pretty good and can be improved. And the thing I think is the best part about it is that, like, the localizers at Xseed have been, like, they have really listened to the community. Because, like, Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, which is a remake of Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town, came out. And their same-sex marriages were added to the game, but, like none of the character creator stuff was added to that game and people were like hey so could you think about doing x y and z and then the next game it was like here you go there are those yeah they're One listening of the reasons i'm so like detailed about the harvest moon story of seasons transition is because x seed got the game the series previously known as to print it but the series formerly known as harvest moon actually got it and they were still very very small this was baby actually when it happened and so they did a dev diary of their first translation going through their first harvest moon game or their first story of seasons game and just reading their dev diary it's like it's a small little studio and you read like the the translating stuff is so interesting and seeing them just like discussing how they decide on translations and getting fan feedback and they've just always been like that they've x has always given me the same vibe as the dev diaries i watched for the studio that did um shenwa sacrifice hellblade oh uh Ninja theory yeah, their dev diaries were so like, oh, look at these are these are good guys looking over there. What what? Well, those are just dudes. Those are people. I've always got that vibe from XC too. They're just a little little studio. They're um they still do those for each of their Harvest Moon or Story of Seasons going forward. Like you can go and look at all the dev diaries and the localization diaries. Um, they also did an interview with Rebecca Valentine this week at IGN about putting same-sex marriage in this version of the game and that article was pretty good the other thing i think is it takes a lot of things that people wanted from stardew valley so it's got makers so like mayonnaise maker and lumber maker and all those things where you take like resources and turn them into other resources to make other crafting things it's got all of that in there and it also has what else sprinklers that was the big thing nobody wants to and i was afraid I was afraid by getting rid of the sprites doing the watering that you would lose the like weird part of of Story of Seasons. Like the nature sprites are always just like this really 
weird, bizarre part of it. And um, nope, they figured out a way to like keep them in there and be weird and give people the ease of sprinklers and not having to like beg nature sprites to like water your crops for you. So, yeah. Sounds like it's fun. It is. Sold 700,000 copies. I said it earlier, but it's crazy to me that between Japan and here, it's sold 700,000 copies at its launch in like a month. That's really, really impressive. That's awesome. That makes me happy. Here's hoping they can reach a million by the end of the year. So I've talked a bunch about Story of Seasons. Jordan, do you want to talk about Monster Hunter first? Sure. I didn't know you were playing Monster Hunter, Jordan. Spencer has talked about and shown us pictures of her cute animals. I haven't gotten a picture of Jordan's adorable animal. I feel a little upset that this is how I find out you were playing it. Well, it's great. I don't have a lot to say about this game, but most of what I have to say is negative. But did you make a cute animal? Yeah, I made an animal. Didn't even send me a picture. (laughs) Didn't even ask me what to name it. Didn't even name it talk and make it look like him in my honor. I, I named uh I named my my doggo F dash Art. That's pretty good. I like that because I didn't I didn't know if uh, Nintendo would ban me if I just named it Fart. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair fair concern. <laughs> I have feelings for this is a AAA game, and I've played a decent amount of AAA games in the last five years, and I I have to say, having played Monster Hunter World, not not a lot, maybe like three hours of Monster Hunter World, this is the worst tutorialized game I've played in recent memory. I hate it. Your entire tone and everything about, not your body language, but like your vocal language is telling me that I should not play this game because I played a lot of Monster Hunter World and I didn't like most of it. I enjoyed it for short bursts that equaled out to like 80 20 misery there was like some cute things but i was like why does it it felt like i was playing a playstation 2 game i don't know how to describe it any other way was it felt like it would be a really good game once they made one on this generation i had all the frustrations i have when i go back to try to play old games why is there a loading screen every six seconds why is this so convoluted playing multiplayer on that game was a constant exercise in frustration even though the entire game seemed to be built around wanting you to use multiplayer. So why was that the thing that made the game the shittiest possible fucking experience? It was just, I loved my little kitty. It was so cute and precious to me. Everything else about that game made me so angry. And I wanted it to be good, and it wasn't. And it was just so much potential. And I was pissed. And I was like, I just need this game to be this, but better. And everything about what you've already said tells me that all of the things that I didn't like about Monster Hunter World have not been adapted, have not been addressed. So I'm going to give some context. I felt that way about this game. Because Spencer spoke about the character creator in Story Seasons quite a bit. And I also want to talk about the character creator for this game. It is not good. Oh, it's bad. It's pretty bad. It's super, super limited. And even in the ways that it's limited, it's still limited. I just, I was like, oh, let me see it. What, let me see what hairstyles that they have that look like mine. Oh, none, none. You're trying to show an Afro. That's, that's not a good Afro. Anyway, I, I tried to make a character with a skin tone comparable to my partner, who is a black woman. And I was like, no, why, why are you so shiny? Why are you so shiny? in this world it's ridiculous when i I, to go back to the tutorialization like the game dumps a ton of stuff at you at the beginning in like the first hour like all the mechanics and are kind of rushed at you but one the way to find out how to refresh yourself on how to do things is pretty difficult depending on what that thing is and the, the just the pure amount of 
go this year, learn this from this person, go this from that person is like too much for me this week. So one of, a basic example of a major frustration I had is I start the game. Um, they're like, oh, you played the demo. I did. I played the demo for like five hours. Played oh, a lot of that God. demo. You means you got some DLC. So you just need to go to the courier, courier and the courier will tell it will get you their DLC. I was like, cool. Where's the courier? And they're like, good luck. I have no fucking clue where to find this courier. Don't know what they look like. Oh, the courier is the cat by the front. Okay. Of the shrine. Or I don't even know what that is. Where the elder is. Like the elder and his dog are like up at that thing with like the fire behind that you don't get to go in. I haven't gotten to go in it yet at least. Okay. The cat that is right. The palico that is right at the base of that is the courier. Spoilers. I don't know how to put my dog armor on. I have not figured out how to do dog armor yet. Supposedly there's all kinds of dog armor in this game, but... I cannot put it on my dog because I cannot find the menu on how to put dog armor on. This game, if you played Monster Hunter World and you didn't like it, you will like this game even less. This game was made for Japanese Monster Hunter fans. They are set in the way they all hate. Like the country of Japan did not jive with how Monster Hunter World went down. And you can see that they were like, okay, we've got to pull back into like some of the bad habits that monster hunter as a series has that being said this is the only one that i've gotten in where i have played more than two or three hours before i'm like i don't want to do this anymore i wanted to like this game so much because my major problem with monster hunter before outside of everything that i've just said which happened with all my experiences with monster hunter was um that i felt like the movement was pretty slow and i just I, i didn't feel as free as i wanted to be and this game does change that. Like, they give you a grappling hook, which makes you move fast and do things in a way that, like, I was happy to see. Almost as happy to see as a dog that's appearing in my face that you can't see. Haha, <laughs> you can't see it, but I can. You <laughs> suck-ass <laughs> listeners. Like a cute puppy. <laughs> and it's so weird because this week I also started playing Neo 2 because it released oh. on Steam recently. Wait, Neo N-I-O-H? Yes. The second one of those, game, that game came out? Yeah, uh, the second one came out for consoles a while back and released on Steam. I didn't hear anyone talk about Neo 2 when it came out. People talked about Neo when it came out, right? Yeah, because I think at that point it was a surprise. And then it also came out in 2020, so everything's kind of a wash uh, that year, right? Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I didn't hear anybody talk about Neo 2. I apologize to all the Neo 2 fans listening. But you should tweet about it more. For a game that's like a Soulsborn, I hate that phrase, but like a Souls-like, it's like prided on some of its difficulty. That game is simpler and tutorialized well and way easier and more accessible to get into than Monster Hunter Rise was. And it frustrated me knowing that that was my experience playing both those games. Monster Hunter shouldn't be a game where you have to beat your head on three Monster Hunter games that you spend $60 for and then like discard in like several hours because you're just like, I don't understand where anything is. I don't get this. It shouldn't be a multiple game process to figure out how to navigate your world also just make the game different like come on and it's not finished that's the other thing we have to talk about like the entire point of monster hunter was run around chasing a monster but the monster could crash cross over like four invisible walls that cause loading screens between areas and so you're trying to hunt the fucking monster in a game called monster hunter and you can't because there's so many invisible wall loading screens every 12 feet and i don't understand why that's a problem on a heart like a not a handheld a, a like normal sized console in 2021 
that will not happen in Monster Hunter Rise because it is not an open world game. You have to go to different locations and the 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 whole location will load in when you go in. Honestly, that's an improvement for Monster Hunter World. That is that, a huge improvement. That's the Monster standard. That's, world that's the is Yeah, world is the anomaly. Well, I watched a, a guy play Monster Hunter that was like on a PSP, like a PSP or a Vita version of Monster Hunter, and that had the same thing where I was like, oh, I see, this is just a fucking thing, where he was like, yeah, you should be grateful, it was way worse than this version, and he showed me where it's like, you're chasing these monsters, and it's just like this map that's already kind of a small map. It was like playing Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep, you walk six feet in any direction, and you have a loading screen, because it's a PSP game, so it's acceptable, even when you're playing it on the collection on PS4. You remember it was made for PSP, there's a loading screen every four feet. There are just as many loading screens per mile in Monster Hunter World as there are in Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Kingdom Hearts Breath by Sleep, my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. Oh, neat. Do you know what I'm talking about? About how... Absolutely. Every, that's how I feel about Monster Hunter. And it's very comfortable. And and that's not the case with Rise because, like Spencer said, you okay. you go into a place and like that whole area is opened up I've for only you seen because... two Monster Hunter games and both of them had that. So that's what I was yeah. going off of. But that's I also want the time loss. limit to die. I just... I don't... Yeah. I don't, I time don't want the time limit anymore. Like... I don't like time limits in games in general. I have a lot of time-based anxiety. It stresses me out. Like, I want to like Monster Hunter so much, and this might be the first one I finish just because I am, like, having fun with it. But, like, it doesn't have to be, I guess the word is esoteric. Is that what I'm looking for? To be, like, a game that people would want to play. Like, make a mode if that's what you want it. But, like, make it plenty of other old games have figured out how to make modern versions of their games and, like, have modes where you're just, like... Fire Emblem, I feel, is, like, a great one, right? Like, Permadeath was, like, a hard no for lots of people playing that game. And they were just like, well, what if we made it so you didn't have to Permadeath it? Like, what if we did it? Like, what if we made it so, like, you could do, like, a real cute, like, a real slow tutorial on how to play this game. And if you don't need to do that, you can just be like, yo, Elder, I don't need to do this. Like, let me go. Like, do my thing. I liked both of those choices in Fire Emblem. I wouldn't play Fire Emblem if there was permadeath still as the only option. And I love being able to skip a tutorial in a game that I know everything about. But I really need tutorials in games I don't. Tutorials are very important to me. I spend a lot of time thinking about them. I'm going to continue playing Monster Hunter Rise solely for the fact that uh, Neo 2's port on PC is garbage and crashes every single time that I play it. Oh, that's unfortunate. But that, I hope, I hope I feel better about it. Because I do like being in the world and hunting monsters when it lets me do that without forcing me to uh, remember 17 mechanics that were briefly spoken to me in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, I think you have to do the, like, have you gone to the buddy area yet? That's the other yeah. thing. Like, everything's, like, so spread out in that game. It's just, like, can you make, like, why is the training hub why is the training hub where I go get extra buddies? Like, why is it not in the hub where you get the quest, where you get the like group quests and seems to be like the main hub of like hunter life? Like, why is it not over by there? Like, why am I going to a whole nother building that I really hardly ever need to go to? Cause like, I'm only going to do it for like the buddy scrolls and like the other thing. Oh, the other thing that's an important caveat. No, you do not, nothing bad will happen to your palamute or your palico in battle so like they do have a bar of like getting hurt but if like 
I like that. If your Palamute, like, loses all of his health, he, like, runs off for, like, 20, 30 seconds and then comes back with full health. Like, so you don't have to watch your- You can't kill dogs. Your poor dog ragdoll, which was what I was afraid was going to happen when they were like, you've got a dog now. And I'm like, please don't, please don't make it to the dog. Don't kill my dog. Yeah. So I guess we're going to move on to X- ID at Xbox, their indie showcase. I have almost nothing to say about this because I feel like the indies were- treated so poorly so fucking poorly by xbox here because when you show 60 games no one cares about any of them except for whatever's first or last or whatever is actually like an already pretty big ip because this is how i feel this is a four-hour video which means i'm not gonna watch it i have taken we have we're gonna list all these games with the video everything like that we're gonna link it in the show notes but i have flipped through this entire list of games i recognize none of them besides among us and Stalker 2. I literally don't recognize a single other game on this list. Boyfriend Dungeon. And the other two are so big. Boyfriend Dungeon's not on this list. I checked like four times. Yeah, it's not on this list, but it was a part of the showcase. I also saw that. That's why I'm confused, because I literally checked this list like 19 times, because I kept being like, I don't recognize anything. I don't recognize anything. The only thing that I thought was good was Boyfriend Dungeon, and that's not on the list that they gave out. It looks like on the main list that they gave out, they have a link to another post that has links to more games and boyfriend dungeon is on that post that's how fucked they because not all the games are on this post either this game has paragraphs of like 20 games so you can't even there's not a single article that contains the list of all of the games deadass that's how bad a job they've done is that there is not one article there's two articles that if you cross-reference might contain all 20 but might fucking not 60 60. 60. I'm sorry. Yes. 60. Yeah, 60 games in 20 hours. And it's a four pass. hour video. So you're not going to watch a four hour fucking video, which means I have nothing to say. This might as well not have happened. Except I can't wait for Boyfriend Dungeon. I'm going to call him out because I think it's just stupid, ridiculous. Steven Totillo on Twitter tried to be like, oh, but this is like what the indie showcase would be at like what Microsoft does for ID at Xbox at GDC, right? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Because it's not journalists getting to spend hours and hours playing these games and then being able to come back and be like, hey, yo, here are all these things that I saw. Here's what I like, what I liked, right? And you'll get like a bunch of people who pick like games that they liked, right? And like people will get to talk to people about like that and sell their games. And the ones that end up floating to the top of that, like the way that indie games get big through situations like that is that you set loose hundreds of games journalists in a field of 60 playable games. They all gravitate to the games that that they and thus their audience resonate with. And then when one game happens to overlap with a bunch of different people, it takes off. Like that's how indie games natively blow up. For the most part, there's a million different ways to blow up. Obviously, there's a million ways to go viral. But like one of the main ways a small game can be a surprise success or like a, you know, like, oh, look at this little indie darling is everyone gets to play a bunch of games. And then everyone realizes that they're all only talking about that one game. And then that one game of the 60, you know, makes it because that's what being an indie is like. One of 60 games will maybe make it because they do shit like this because they throw all 900 of them in a pile and they make you dig. The other thing is, is just like how like it was I think was a Twitch gaming stream. So it was the weekly, I think. Maybe it was in the weekly spot on Twitch slash gaming. Oh. So okay. yeah. that's where it originated at. 
it's on Twitch Gaming and it is one of the most poorly produced pieces of like content I have seen on Twitch in a while. Multiple times during that four hour video, games get stepped on. Trailers cut too early or cut too late. There's all kinds of technical problems. It was a mess trying to watch. Like, cause I was like, I'm going to go through and I'm going to like try to watch. Like, I don't want to listen to like the talking parts between like the weekly people. Like, I don't like, I just want to see if I can watch all of the trailers and get like through all of them so I can see what it was. You took one for the team and you're a hero. And it was just like so bad and disrespectful that like you can't even make it so that like someone's full like trailer, like even if it is just cutting off the like the team name or the development name or whatever. But like that's those are the people who made the game. Like what are you doing? Like just your Xbox You have tons of money. You keep telling us you have tons of money because you're literally buying every video game property on the planet. Can you guys just, like, spend some actual money promoting your indie games? Bring back some of Arcade. I want to give a moment to a couple of games that were in there that I have, like, a personal attachment to. I want to talk about Onsen Master, which is a great Miyazaki-inspired game where you run and work in onsen it's kind of like cooking mama but with an onsen uh by derek fields uh waking oni on twitter follow him great person very excited about it only recognized that game because i had seen it previously in the white thorn direct otherwise i would have just yeah. been like what is this game the hit on it was so short the other game i wanted to talk about was despelote by julian cordero who is a part of the nyu game center incubator alongside me and despelote is a wonderful wonderful short narrative game about the experience playing soccer in Ecuador, where you're not you're not playing what soccer football. I thought you said uh-huh. playing soccer Endor, and I thought it was some like super Japanese ass game. And I was like, oh, it's about just it's about like a gaming scene. I don't know. I'm about to find out about like uh, Senban Sakura yeah. or something. It's about playing so- uh, soccer in Ecuador. I meant what's the game? I meant I just said Biakia's Zenpakuto fucking. Ultimate, so- and, and no one fucking said anything. Soccer I meant, Wars? No, the titty game with Kagura or Sakura. Oh, Senran Kagura. Senran Kagura, that's what I meant. It came out. <laughs> Senran Sakura! It's a great game. Because I'm a loser! <laughs> yes, you're, you're a dork. But yes, uh, Get Despelote is going to come on, come out to Xbox 2. I played a bunch of it when I was uh, developing We Should Talk, and William played a bunch of We Should Talk, and we tested each other's games or our teams to see each other's games. And i that's what I'm really ruling for, that and Onsen Master. So if, if there's any games you want to pay attention to, pay attention to those two. Because Real Talk, Boyfriend Dun- Dungeon, and Among Us don't need more play. They are already super popular. They're going to be super, super successful no matter what. I hope Boyfriend Dungeon is successful. I honestly don't know how much that's going to sell. Like, games that... You can't tell if people are really interested or if they're just joke interested because the premise is so far fetched. I'm always worried about how that actually translates into sales. I know I'll buy it, but I don't know how much retweets actually is going to translate into day one sales effect. I know it's going to do amazing because of the amount of marketing it has behind it and That's the true. amount of wish lists it uh, continuously has on Steam. And it continuously is on the front page of the things like the steam next fest like we were mentioning and like compared to a triple a game it's not gonna like compared to other indie games versus compared to a triple a game in terms of selling well or two different things because it's definitely getting more marketing than any normal indie game it is one of the ones that's coming day and date to xbox games pass too isn't it yes Yes, so they're already successful so they already got paid (laughs) yeah 
So even if it didn't, that'd be a game that would sell hundreds of thousands of copies regardless and would be a major success on the indie level. So, you know, I, I do hope that continues to be true, but the games that got drowned out in that place on Semester Despota and many other games, but those ones are ones that I want our listeners to pay attention to. Onsen Master was the one I was one of the ones I was going to say, and the other one I was going to say was Little Witch in the Woods because it's an RPG where you get to be a witch and you don't have to support a transphobe. So you should all play that instead yeah. of playing Hogwarts. So I'm very excited about it because it's very cute, and I keep waiting for them to be like it's coming, and they keep being like it's coming, and I'm like, is it? Please come, come now. I want Witchbrook. <laughs> I'm so excited for Witchbrook. I know that game's not going to come out for another like 12 years. Spellbound, Witchbrook. Witchbrook, yeah. Witchbrook. <laughs> Spellbound's been canceled. Spellbound's never coming out. You just said a word. He was like, Witchbrook. I was like, Witchbrook's the name, right? And then I was, I said a name, and then I was like, wait, for some reason I have this memory of Witchbrook going by Witchbrook for a really long time, and then like one day them being like, oh yeah, we changed the name, it's this. Or it used to be known as something else, and then they changed the name to Witchbrook. I, I I just have this memory of the name changing whenever I go to say Witchbrook. It used to be Spellbound. I just checked. Y'all fucking made fun of me! Oh! Chucklefish oh! uh, presents Spellbound, a wizard school sim. Spellbound name change? Spellbound now Witchbrook. Motherfuckers, what is up? I know everything about video games. I am a golden god. Is that what that means? I've been watching a lot of it, so I I apologize for myself. Ooh, ooh, you know what? A thing that came to my brain uh, just seconds ago that has nothing to do with what you were just talking about. Uh, Last time I was on this podcast, I I gave out a challenge to our listeners to name games. It might have been been three weeks ago. Where uh, I wanted you to tell me games where you play as women, or play as mothers specifically. And I gotta say, some of y'all kudos to you a lot of y'all picking games where you create your character you know that's not what i'm talking about come on you know if you were four does not count yeah yeah i think fallout 4 was actually a great example because fallout 4 was a plot where the fact that you were a parent mattered and a lot of games i feel like they kind of cheated because like the fact you're a parent like a lot of people would be like oh uh, nina from uh tekken had a kid she's a mom and it's like, yeah, that baby was taken from her, and then she was frozen for a really long time. And it's like, yeah. I think Tekken's a better answer than Fallout. I and I see. I disagree because I like I liked the answers where the fact that you, they were a parent impact impacted the gameplay. Um, I loved. Oh man, one of the ones that I liked the best was spoilers. The one where you don't realize that the character you're playing is pregnant until late in the game. I'm not going to say the name of the game because it'll be a spoiler, but if you know the game, it's not a spoiler. But I really liked that one where it was like, oh my god, I've been playing as a pregnant character this whole time. I've been jumping around like an asshole. And like the fact that you were a mother mattered. So I actually liked the games that were answers where like being a mother was relevant in some way. And that's why I thought the ones where it was like create a character was cheap or the ones where it was like they like if they were if they weren't a mom it wouldn't impact the plot at all if the fact that they were a mom was just like a trivia point on their wiki i was like that's kind of lame but ones where like you see their child or there's interactions with the child um or they were pregnant especially is so rare talking about like disney movies not even having pregnant ladies uh those are the ones actually see the reason why i didn't like fallout as an answer because i i wanted to know about I, the the answers were being a mother was important to me, but the answers were being a parent were less important. I think the specific the specificity about being a mother is important because we see dads in games all see, the time. Of course, I played Fallout as a woman, so like 
I feel the like experience you, as a if you chose a man or as you chose a woman a dad or mom is minimal like it's the same thing which I mean, is why yeah. I, yeah but with Tekken you know Nina being a mom becomes extremely important to her story in that game How which though, is why really uh because then she finds the son and has to and her story for like three games straight involves her interactions with Steve Fox her son spoilers that's not spoilers. I don't think it's spoilers. If you're going to spoiler Steve Fox, no, 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 no. Not, no. I will, I'm bad because I don't give a fuck about spoilers. Um, So I'm bad at drawing Same. the line. Like, I go too, like, but no. I don't, I refuse to be like, oh, what happened to Dumbledore? That's a spoiler. No. Yeah, no like, it's like a spoiler like for like a month. Uh, right? Like, oh, you know, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Spoilers. It's like, no, fuck you. Oh, Fuck so you my to hell. my, my you. feeling about spoilers is that uh I I don't give a single shit about it and you can start talking about a thing a week after it's come out. That's See, that's that's I the great spirit. I try to be respectful because some like if somebody really cares about something like I watch Drag Race and like sometimes it's like you know I watch Drag Race on Represents Plus, which means the episode doesn't go live for twenty four hours. So it's like I wake up and then British Twitter spoils Drag Race for me, and it's like okay, well fuck me, I guess this is what I get. But at the same time, like, I'm always like, this is what I get. Like I know, like. I could either not go on Twitter for a few days or I could risk getting spoiled. Like, I feel like I, I take that risk upon myself. So I, I always feel like when it comes to spoilers, there's like obvious you're a dick spoilers. Like people yes. who were mad when people were giving full. De- I never watched any episode of WandaVision, but I know the full plot of WandaVision just from clicking the trending hashtag of WandaVision every week. Because people would just post and trending, the trending just like headlines would just be the episode summaries. So I know, I think the whole fucking show and every twist hasn't happened the night of. IGN and GameSpot both are so bad at that. It literally yeah, like that like X yeah. whatever is the title right. of the article like 12 hours after the episode comes out. And it's like, yeah. Can you so like that down? I do agree. I think you have at least 24 hours. People can't be like, you should have watched it for at least 24 hours. After 24 hours, I think it's like maybe just don't go on Twitter for a couple of days. It's fucking Twitter. Well, yeah, my point. Y'all tried. I'll, I'll give y'all some kudos for that. But the point I was trying to get is like, being a mom is important to this game. Not to just list things out, but like when you when you do see that, like maybe make a point to like give that game their props because not no one's really doing it. it. You know what I mean? I feel that. So, as your neighborhood PR girl, I would not be doing my due diligence if I didn't ask you to take a second and review our humble podcast. Apple Podcast is a really good place to do that. And we have two weeks left for new and notable for us. Oh, So if you can do that, that'd be great. Like, give us stars, leave us a review, um, help us find our um, discoverability. Speaking of discovery, where can we find you, Jordan? You can find me on Twitter.com slash Versified. Also, you can go to Twitter.com slash underscore We Should Talk. This week is Indie World Order, which is a thing that apparently my publisher set us up to be a part of so some streamers are going to be streaming we should talk did one of those streamers kind of kind of mansplain our our posting on steam to our own twitter account as a tweet instead of uh, dming us with their questions yes were they wrong yes but still follow us on or you want me to cut that so don't remember who i don't have no clue who this person is but what they did do was be like, hey, by the way, you spelled the name of your game wrong. And it's like, no, our game isn't supposed to have capitals and all things. So we should talk written as we should talk is exactly how it's at work. Wait, did he try to 
What? Yeah, yeah. He tried oh, to wow. change the capitalization of the title of your game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bollocks. I like using the word bollocks. It's a good word. I like bellend. Bellend yeah. is my favorite British steel. Colonize your language for a change, bitch. <laughs> Where can we find you, Sager? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Sager1337 on any platform, X as in Xbox. Also, no, if you were no, listening no, to no, us, no, 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 we, you, thank you. No, no, already no, no, been no, no, over no. We talked about this. You cannot use Xbox. We talked about this last week. Jordan gave it to you. You got the freebie. You have a dictionary. You thought because Jordan was have here Google, now? You could Google X words. He could just pick his Not... own X word and then continuously use the same X word, but he wouldn't I even think that. I did that, and you judged me for it. it. No, I did it when you swiped Jordan's word. No, I, I said xenomorph. I would just say X as an extreme every time, just just as a just as a you way to protest. That. You could say X is in Zyger at this point. Now it's just a joke. I only meant that the first episode. The first episode, I was like, just make people clear because the word Zyger is a word you made up when you were in middle school, and people don't know how to spell that shit. My mom still texts me, "How's Zyger doing?" Z X Y G E R, and my little brother always asks me, "Uh." If Zyger has anything new on Xbox, Z-E-I-G-E-R, Zyger. They both think it's just like a family name and it's his birth certificate name because they're white people. So, like, I needed him once to just say it. And then he panicked so hard at thinking of a single word that starts with X. It has become a seven-episode-long journey of just being like, no, dude, I just, I just wanted you to tell people it was X-Y-G-E-R one time. For clarity, be like X as in X-ray. That's all I wanted. That's all I needed. Anyway, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the day this podcast comes out, uh, have a moment of uh, silence for Mario because today is the day that Nintendo kills him at midnight. Haha, so you think Mario? Luigi supremacy. Luigi's better and Sonic's better than both of them. I don't agree with Sonic. Look at Bilen Wonderland. Fuck that. I I take Ty the Tasmanian Devil after before I take Sonic. You used to be cool. Yeah, you used to be cool, and then he ditched the Oxford comma. You think I forgot? You can both go to hell. (laughs) Kaylee, where can we find you using the Oxford comma on the internet? Everywhere, like God intended. But most importantly, um, you'll find the Oxford comma primarily on my Twitter at Quirk of Art XD. Um, I don't usually verbalize my usage of it at Quirk of Art uh, on Twitch, but you can find me there talking about my love for the Oxford comma. I think it used to be in my bio, but then I was like, that's too white, bitch. I got to take my Oxford comma joke out of my out of my bio. It is. You were correct in that assumption. It is important because it conveys information. It does a thing. It is letting you know important information. You can't just you can't just not have the comma there. It, it leads to confusion to not use it. There's no reason not to use it. The argument not to use it. On one hand, it's like do a useful thing. On the other hand, it's to just be a contrarian asshole. Well, the the argument because I use the actual comma, so the argument that I have isn't to not use it, just to talk shit on it because it, it's fun to tease you. Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Happy birthday! We're all good friends. Still, my birthday month. You can't treat me like this. It's still my birthday weekend. This should be illegal. Double gulag. You started the episode in the gulag. You end the episode in the gulag. It's called full circle, bitches.
And I'm Spencer. You can find me at MissNintendeek64 all over the internet. Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. I'm co-streaming on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Uh, I have to defend America's honor against Englishmen and Australians in Mario Kart. So you should come hang out. I'm co-streaming with UK and Mr. Chili421. So, Oh, I like UK. She's a good girl. Mm-hmm. We like her. So that's going to do it for this week. Seven patch rollout. Subscribe to Future Patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the weekly patch on, at the weekly patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, or join the quality assurance process in our Discord server. Comments, question, bug report, send them to the hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all of these and more will be in the episode notes below. Week seven patch complete. Are you okay? I didn't realize that UK was from the UK until just now. Oh my god. After you already started doing the thingy, and then I was like, don't laugh, Kaylee, you can't laugh. And it's just when you tell yourself not to laugh, it's like... Bless your heart. It's the hardest thing.